Get ready for the Small Church Shepherds podcast. Small Church Shepherds exist to encourage, enrich, and equip small church pastors and churches. You can find our blog and more information about us at smallchurchshepherds.com. Welcome to Small Church Shepherds. This is Jonathan. I'm here with Adam Wyatt and Dennis Ellenberg. And also we have with us Mark Clifton, and he is the director of replanting with North American Mission Board. Uh, but Mark, we're glad, not Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark. See, I'll edit all this out. Mark, we're glad to have you with us. <laughs> don't edit it out. Yeah. It's People like it when you don't edit it out. That's true. <laughs> so just, just, just leave it. Just yeah, stay just, in there. Because we all know you're not all that good at what you do. Yeah, no, so. I'm not. This is definitely the sub part. So don't hide it. All right. Own it. All right. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, tell us a little bit about your your experience with particularly Southern Baptists and the convention and all that kind of stuff. All my life, my great grandfather was a Southern Baptist missionary, and my dad was a Southern Baptist pastor, and uh, I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. So I'm pretty boring at that point, and I'm also monocultural. I can't speak any other languages, and I pretty much only hang out in rural areas of America. So uh, I did live in Montreal for a number of years and plant churches among the Quebecois because God can do anything, and so uh, yeah. he, he did that. And I have planted in the urban core and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, Southern Baptist uh, all my life uh, as a church planter, mainly as a church planter, up until the last uh, ten years. Years. I'm 60 almost. Yeah. So for the first uh, number of years, I started my first church when I was 18, you know, first first year of college. So uh, yeah, 30 years or so maybe of church planting and then 10 years of both planting and replanting. And tell us about your job. What do you do as a director of replanting with NAM? Well, our, on the North American Mission Board, you know, for 100 plus years has focused on church planting. But in the last five or six years, we have so many Southern Baptist churches and churches across North America that are closing their doors. And that's actually increasing not decreasing. So we wanted to take some of the same energy and, and time and strategy and resources that we were putting to planting churches to say, let's put those toward churches that are about to close to keep them from closing their doors. And so that's what we're doing. So our team is, is, is given that responsibility. And mainly what we try to do, first and foremost, is change the narrative so that dying churches don't feel shameful and guilty and they're willing to reach out for help. And secondly, change the narrative so that other churches see dying churches as a great platform for ministry. And it's really happening. And I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds of churches this year that would probably have died in a couple of years Mm -hmm. have found really new ways of of living and growing and doing well. So it is making a huge difference. Mark, I've got two two questions. First off, um, how would you define a a small church? Because we call ourselves small church shepherds, or how would you define our churches? And and to us, small churches are churches, we define it as under 200 people, but what would you define? Yeah, I think, I usually say under 200 is what I say. And so anything under 200, I call it a normative sized church because you're about 95% of all churches. So only 5% of the churches are bigger than you, so you're not small. That's just a crazy, the the descriptor small church really came into being a lot in in the 70s, 60s and 70s with the rise of the church growth movement to define what a difference between small and large because before, prior to that, churches were just churches. Right. Yeah. 150 people was a church. It wasn't a small church. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think we, we use the term normative size church. Right. And I just moved to a church in Pearl, Mississippi. It's a church called Truett. Um, for, you know, planted in the 60s, pro- probably a typical story in Mississippi. Planted in the 60s, grew through the 70s and 80s, sort of plateaued in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's been in a steady decline since then. And, and when I came on two months ago, 
um, running about 100 to 115 on a Sunday morning. And and so, you know, my question as somebody who's going into a revitalization situation, what's the difference between revitalizing and replanting? Yeah, really just the time you have left, yeah. frankly. I mean, uh, we can absolutely say with certainty based on documentation that as we said here today, about 10% of Southern Baptist churches, about 4,000 of them, will not be here in five years if oh, things wow. don't change. Right. So if, if everything stays the same, you're giving your attendance, your loss of members, et cetera, your expenses, and you can see within five years you're going to be underwater, right. then you're a replant candidate because okay. you don't have enough time to do some of the the, 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 the slower changes that take right. place in a revitalization. Right. And so our team focuses on those churches that would be gone in five years right. if they don't do something more drastic. So that's really the difference. And, you know, it's not a fine line. Is it five years, three right. years? You know, replant. And a lot of stuff we do in replant has tremendous collateral benefit to revitalization. Right. So there's a lot of crossover mm-hmm. both ways. But if your church most likely could survive more than five years on what it's got, what it is, it's probably not a replant right. candidate. So if we were a replant, what, what would you suggest for the first you know six months of a year of a guy going into a replant situation? Yeah. Well, a couple things. If if if, uh, if it's really a drastic situation, we'd like that church to consider merging with a church plant that needs a building. And, and I don't and I don't mean like they give up. I mean that to really let, let them be absorbed by a church that can care for them and take care right. of them, even in their old age. Besides, it's a good thing. I don't know very many church planters that have a, a strategy to reach 88-year-old widows in their neighborhood. So it's a good thing for a church plant to reach out to right. multi-generations as well. Beyond that, if that's not an option, then a guy goes in there and, you know, if you're going to plant a church, and the churches I planted, I, I've never gone all by myself right. and just say, I'm right. planting this church. We, you, we encourage you to raise a team to go with you. We encourage you to have sending or sponsoring churches to be right. part of it. We encourage the dying church to relinquish a good bit of day-to-day control right. to the outside entities who help them, you know, make the right decisions and right choices. And you really just, what you don't do is you don't kick the remaining members to the curb. Right. And they're not the problem. They are your first ministry right and and Jesus has brought them there and kept them there for a reason and you know you may wish they were gone but he's kept them there right. and so you he will hold you accountable for how you shepherd them and you got to love the church you have not the church you wish you had so you start out by loving those people mm-hmm. at the same time you got to become a missionary in that neighborhood and either you right. plant something new in that neighborhood in that old building among those old people right. or you're not going to make it right and so you're doing both things at once time and and thirdly you're mentoring a next generation and in my case the church in Kansas City it was like three years before we had the next generation even show up right but eventually when I did find one or two young men I was bivocational but I still spent a majority of my time investing in those two or three young men because they were the secret sauce. I've never been in a dying church in my life where they said, the problem is we have too many young men between the ages of 18 and 30. <laughs> Definitely. I've been in many of them where they say we don't have any young people. Right. Right. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I would say one of the things that I, I've seen with your ministry, just for me and you talking and connecting, is the the importance of you as a senior pastor, lead pastor, taking the time to do that. Um, how would you encourage a whether it's a new pastor, or maybe a seasoned pastor, a pastor that you know he's been faithfully shepherding his church for ten years or five yeah. years, yeah. and he's not seeing fruit. He's 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 but he loves his people and he's doing the best. How would you encourage that guy to stay the course? Because uh, that's one of the things you're really you're really passionate about is staying right. the course and being faithful. How would you encourage that guy that may not see hope in where he is? It's interesting you say that. In just a few minutes, in about ten minutes or fifteen, I'm going to do a Facebook live 
uh, on Mark Clifton Facebook Live, so you can pick it up there. Money's <laughs> Go with ahead Mark. and plug it. Yeah, we call it Money's with Mark because I have an issue with pride. But um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that that very right. thing. So I'm kind of it's in my mind right now. Right. Um, but I think you know the, the, the first thing he has to do is is have a sense of of uh, tactical patience of staying with this. We overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. And sometimes the reason we want to leave a place is we're ashamed of it. We feel like we're not a fail. We're a failure. People think less of us because this church isn't growing. Mm-hmm. Maybe our extended family thinks less of us. Maybe our in-laws think less of us. Right. You know, wasn't I thought you were going to go? I thought your husband was going to get a? You know, how come he's at that dying church? And you're there because God called you there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now look, it's possible that in God's sovereign plan, He wants that church to. Do. Now I'm not given you a pass to be a lazy pastor. But let's just assume it, it is possible that for God's sovereign plan, he wants that church to decline for a while. Then you need to be obedient. Just because it's declining doesn't mean you leave. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, one of my young elders, he was an incredibly gifted young man and uh, intern, and uh, he won the preaching award at seminary, and he won the Greek and Hebrew award at seminary. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, and he got to preach in chapel at seminary, and that was pretty... And this little church of about 12 people that had just fussed and fought for decades, they actually voted me out of a business meeting. Uh, I went there at the request of the moderator, and first thing they asked was, "Who? Why is he here?" And the moderator didn't say anything. And I said, "Well, he invited me, and they voted to remove me from the meeting." And the moderator didn't even vote, so I actually had to get in the car and go home. And anyway, but this little church wanted this intern, and I told him, "I said, Josh, buddy, th- this is this is really a sick. But I don't think it's going to make it. I'm not even sure." Some of these people really know Jesus, and if they do, it, it, they're, they're very cold. And, and I said, he said, you know, Mark, I really feel like if God calls me there and the church dies, God's doing that because he needs to do something in me, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid wow. to miss it. Wow. Yeah. Okay? So I think, I think sometimes we get so hung up on growing and what growing means, right. you know. Um, so you got to be obedient. So you That's stick right. with it until God moves you, for goodness sakes. That's right. Because you're going to give account mm-hmm. to the Lord for those in your care. And I'll tell you what, if it's 10... You, you know, people always say, I want a bigger church. Well, I think on the day you give an account, you'll think your church was plenty big. Yeah. You know, I think it was plenty big. So, I wish you only had 10. Yeah, so I, I think <laughs> that's what I would say. Just be faithful where you right. are mm-hmm. and and know that God, God in His plan is working His salvation story through you. You know, none of it is wasted. None of your sermons are wasted. None of your prayers are wasted. I know you, again, I go back to one of my favorite Henry Blackaby stories. Um, when Henry had first gone to uh, Saskatoon, to Faith Baptist, and it was just a small church, and uh, they weren't responding very well. And uh, Henry was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and leading a Bible study on Wednesday night. And on Wednesday nights, there'd just be a handful of people show up, the same ones. And and uh, so it was Richard, I think, the oldest son, who went to his mother, Marilyn, and said, I feel so sorry for Dad. He worked so hard. We moved all the way up here. We're not seeing any results. And he prepares for Wednesday night, and almost nobody comes. And then... Marilyn told Henry about that. And I'm thinking, if that had been my son, I probably would have bemoaned and said, yeah, it's hard, yeah, we've given up a lot. And Henry just said, don't you ever say that. He said, I'm exactly where God wants me. I'm doing exactly what God wants me. There's no higher honor in the world than to stand in front of that small group of people on Wednesday night and proclaim God's mm. word. And he meant it. Yeah. Well, then you fast forward a decade later, he's in the Oval Office giving the president a copy of Experiencing God, and it's become, you know, it was, it, he was faithful with what he that's had. Right. Yeah. That's right. And so I, I think... 
we just have to really be faithful where we are and know that God has a plan in all of this. Now, with that said, you can't be lazy and just sit in your office or go to the coffee shop and work on your sermon all week and never talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be a pastoral care. You've got to be in the hospitals with them. You've got to be there at their homes with them. Uh, if you're trying to disciple young men, you've got to be available when they're available, even if it's late at night. You know, I'm an old man. I, it doesn't take me long to get in my, my recliner and my sweats. But there were times that some of those young guys would text me at 1030, 1130, 12 at night after their families had gone to bed and they wanted to talk and, and said, are you available? Can we meet up? And my answer was always yes. Mm-hmm. If I want young men in my church, I am never going to say, no, nope, I'm going to bed. I got time to go to bed when I go to heaven. So I would get up and, and go meet them wherever we needed to meet. And sometimes two, three in the morning, seriously, because they just need to unpack a lot of stuff. But we live in a time when 20-somethings, if they think a 50-something really is interested in them, they they will stay around you mm-hmm. and right. they will hang out with you. So, yeah. And that, that's been my experience with you as well, uh, is just seeing that. So, um, and I appreciate that you investing in me. All right, Mark, so let's just say uh, that there's any of our listeners that are in this position, they're looking at maybe replanting or want yeah. to mo- know some more. Well, Where can they go and get some information? There's a, there's a lot of guys listening who are in this position. So start out with churchreplanters.com, plural. And then uh, also check, check us out. Check me out, John Mark Clifton on Twitter, Mark Clifton on Facebook. Those are two good places, um, but especially uh, churchreplanters.com, plural, is a good place to go. Also, we do a podcast every week called uh, Revitalize and Replant. We've got 100 episodes. You can go to revitalizeandreplant.com, and they're all categorized there. So whether you're, almost any issue you face, there's going to be a 30-minute podcast with Tom Rayner and myself that we, we're going to probably talk about that. So Replant and Revitalize podcast is another place. So thank you, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, it was great to have you, Mark. Thanks, Mark.